Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres, not only of Fox Sports Radio, but is also of the Aaron Torres podcast. And Aaron, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Boys, it's game week. Um, you know, really was spent most of the morning kind of really diving into some of the big matchups this week. And, you know, we've we've been diving into them for six months now, but, I mean, really getting into it. Um, and, man, you know, I mean, obviously we all know once, once it starts, it starts. But it is still a little surreal to kind of go on social media, see all the beat writers at press conferences and all that. Uh, but it is go time. I am excited and obviously thrilled to be joining you guys. Hope everybody's doing good. Yeah, Aaron, we got a taste of it this past weekend, and uh, there sure. were just a few by games you, going by on. By Huskies, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they looked a lot better for sure. They sure did. But what, well, I, Joe, I cut you off. I know. Now we're not going to turn this into a UConn segment. What was the question? I'm rude. I'm no, sorry. no. Hey, it, there's a reason to brag on UConn. They didn't quite get there, but they're looking a lot better. But just that we got a taste of college football and the fact that um, now we get to dive full into it. What are some of the storylines you took from the first set of games and what you're looking forward to going into this set? Well, you know, I, I think obviously, look, you know, the big one was Nebraska. Um, listen, I mean, you know, I, I've wanted to defend Scott Frost, hoping it would work. I'm, I'm of an age where I remember him as a player, and I remember Nebraska as a championship program, and it seemed like the perfect fit when he was hired, and it clearly hasn't happened. And, you know, what I would say about Saturday's game was I, I don't think that the onside kick is the reason that they lost. I, I actually think it was in some ways justifiable. Um, but when you're on the hot seat, you're coaching for your job, and you have at that point a nine-point lead, um, you know, you're going to face tough criticism, especially when obviously it goes without saying that after the game, um, you know, he said that, yeah, this was my decision, and, and I kind of overruled the, the special teams coordinator or whatever. I think the other one for me, and I know for other people it might not move the needle, but kind of in your guys' neck of the woods, LSU plays Florida State this weekend. And Florida State, I think, is kind of entering an important year because obviously we saw what Deion Sanders did last year at Jackson State, and I think there's like a big thing of potentially trying to bring him back. But I only bring it up because I thought they looked really good on Saturday against Duquesne. I know it's an FCS opponent. I know people get mad when you compliment a team for winning by 40 against inferior competition. But but my stance on this has always been, you know, every year I watch FCS teams beat FBS teams, group of five teams beat, you know, power five teams. And so when a team goes out and does exactly what they were supposed to do, like FSU in week one, I'm not going to hold it against them. And so, you know, I'm curious, um, you know, what that means for Sunday night against LSU. That's obviously one of the marquee games of the weekend. But I thought FSU did exactly what they needed to do and what's an important year for their head coach. Yeah, I think that uh, Florida State is one of those teams that people are looking for about that next step. LSU is an intriguing one, too, and that's what makes also college football so great this weekend, just in general, but there's a lot of big games. We know Arkansas and Cincinnati is a top 25 game, but uh, besides that, you got Georgia and Oregon. People are looking forward to that. you got Notre Dame and Ohio State, which is uh, going to be a big one, without a doubt, the biggest game, uh, considering the rankings and where those two teams are at, too. But you got some other uh, really interesting games. Just kind of which games are you looking forward to the most, and which ones do you think uh, have the most pressure to win this weekend to start the season off on the right foot? Well, I mean, you know, Georgia, you know, and Ohio State. I mean, I'll tell you this, John. You talk about pressure. Um, I think Utah 
probably, I think, weirdly has a lot of pressure because, you know, the Pac-12 is obviously in a very interesting space right now. Like, they're not even really technically a conference. Like, they don't have anything signed beyond, I think it's 2024. Um, But I don't really think that anybody's going anywhere. And so if you want to start to build respect in, you know, I guess we can call it the super, uh, the super league era when the Big Ten has 16 and the and the the, the uh, SEC has 16. I'll tell you what, you can't have your best team go on the road and lose to what is probably the seventh or eighth best SEC team this year. And that's not a knock on Billy Napier. I think he's the right guy. I just don't think Florida is very good. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that like you know college game day is going to lead with how much pressure is on Utah. But in this post, you know, uh, uh, USD and UCLA to the Big Ten world, those other 10 remaining Pac-12 schools, at least as long as they're joined together, they got to get some big wins. I don't see it happening for Oregon in Atlanta, but I think Utah is, and I don't think Utah is favored, and that's one that I think as a conference they really need to get. I think it'd be bad PR for them to lose to, uh, to Florida, which, as I said, is probably the fifth, sixth, seventh best team in the SEC this year. How about Notre Dame, Ohio State? This is a game that nobody gives Notre Dame a chance, and it was even pointed out to their coach, Marcus Freeman, that they're uh, double-digit underdogs, and he kind of had fun with it and wrote that down, said that's something we'll talk about in the locker room. But Notre Dame is a top-five team, and you can't find anyone that's probably going to pick Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I've I've been one of the guys that's kind of led the bandwagon. I, I don't think historically – Really, when I say historically, I take that back. The last three, four years, I don't think Notre Dame has been overrated. I think they've been properly rated. Uh, I think that, you know, they've been an elite program that isn't good enough to beat Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, This year, I do think they're probably a little bit overrated, too. I I do think they're a little bit overrated, but that's probably in large part because of the success that they've had on the field the last couple years. So I'm with you, Joe. I would be surprised, not only because Marcus Freeman, first-time head coach, but, you know, uh, freshman, uh, not freshman, but first-time quarterback going on the road, 100,000 people at the horseshoe. Um, You know, obviously a lot of the staff is still in place from last year, but there's going to be a new defensive coordinator with Marcus Freeman, now the head coach. So I'm excited, and I do think from Ohio State's perspective, I do think the defense needs to have a good showing, right? Because to your point, Joe, everybody expects them to win big. If If the offense scores 45, but the defense gives up 35, I don't know that the, even against the top five team, Ohio State fans come come out of that game happy, knowing what's ahead in the Big Ten with Michigan and Michigan State and all the schools that they'll have to play over the course of the season. So, you know, John asked about pressure. You know, I don't think there's really pressure on Ohio State as long as they win, but I think there is a little bit of pressure on that defense to show that they're improved after last year where – Really, that defense got pushed around by by Michigan, Oregon, and even to a degree Utah, which put up 40-plus points on them uh, in the Rose Bowl on on New Year's Day. Speak with Aaron Torres of the Aaron Torres Podcast here on the Jones & Son Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Just as also looking at this weekend's uh, games, uh, we know there's a lot of teams that uh, are going to be going out there with new coaches and new quarterbacks and new situations. Who would you think is just as far as some of the teams that you're most interested in that have a new coach? I know you mentioned Brian Kelly at LSU, but uh, who, who do you think is going to be the most curious team to watch this season, not just the first weekend, but this season, who has a new coach in place? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you phrased it that way, John, because, you know, I think obviously Lincoln Riley, you know, the game's on the Pac-12 network, so I don't even know who can get it because I live in L.A. and don't get the Pac-12 network. So 
Um, I don't know who's going to be able to watch Lincoln Riley's debut, but but look, they're obviously one. Um, you know, I'm high on Oklahoma coming into this year, so obviously Brent Venables, uh, as their schedule gets tougher. And I'll give you another one. I, I do think Mario Cristobal with Miami is really interesting because I think we all kind of understand that, that you know, Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley have, have tough situations they're walking into, while Brent Venables and Marcus Freeman, the guys that replaced them, um, you know, kind of have nice situations that they're walking into. Miami brings back Tyler Van Dyke, who, you know, I don't claim to be an NFL draft expert, but, but people are talking about as a potential first-round pick next year. And so I just bring it up because, you know, I think we talk about, you know, how nice the situation is that Venables or Marcus Freeman walked into and the structure that's in place. I mean, you criticize Manny Diaz, but he didn't exactly leave the cupboard bare for Mario Cristobal. And Mario Cristobal is a guy for as much excitement as there is with him coming home and the recruiting and all that stuff has been a guy that's known to lose big games kind of in crucial spots. So that's what I'm really intrigued by. And I'm especially intrigued, by the way, because week three, they play a really important game against another team that I think there's a lot of eyeballs on, which is obviously Texas A&M. So that one probably out of the obvious ones, I, I guess Miami is probably always sort of obvious, but that is one that stands out to me just because I think this situation that Mario Cristobal walked into is a little bit better than people realize. People don't really realize it because Miami hasn't been like super elite for a long time, but they do have a lot of returning talent on that roster that Mario Cristobal inherited. Also, Aaron, before the season starts, we already start talking about bowl games and college football playoff. So uh, let's talk about your picks for the college football playoff and then projection for national championship. Well, you know, I don't know how you guys being in the neighborhood feel about Alabama. You know, I've said this, and and I truly do believe it. I think the gap between Alabama and number two is bigger than number two and number three, number two in the rest of college football. I I think they're, like, significantly better than everybody else this year Um, because, you know, Nick Saban, for all his kind of commentary about, you know, the changing world of college football – I mean, they went out and plugged every hole that they had in the transfer portal, and I think that the offense could be more explosive with Bryce Young. He's going to have more weapons this year. And then the defense, I think we all know what they're capable of with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and all those guys up front. So Will Anderson is actually my Heisman Trophy winner. That's who I'm predicting is going to win the Heisman. I think he's that good, and I think the buzz is going to really pick up steam, maybe even as early as that game against Texas early in the year. But I just bring it up because I think Alabama's really good. I, you know, I have Ohio State. I, I do have some questions about the defense. The team that I'm really intrigued by, is, as I mentioned, them, is Oklahoma. Because, uh, you know, for people who haven't seen their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, you know, 32 touchdown passes, 3,500 uh, yards passing in 10 games the last time that he was healthy. And he was obviously playing in the same system at Central Florida that year that he's going to be playing at Oklahoma this year. So, I think the offense is probably going to be – it's not going to miss as much of a beat as people think without Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. And then obviously I think it goes out saying I think the defense is probably going to be improved with Brent Venables as the head coach. So, you know, I can't speak to what they'll be five years from now, what they'll be once they get to the SEC, but they're still in the Big 12 for 2022, maybe for a few more years after this. And I just really like how their roster matches up with the rest of the league and how the schedule shakes out. And I really do like Oklahoma to actually win their first college football playoff game, which would obviously be ironic with the way that Lincoln Riley left, uh, you know, complaining that he had the weakest roster in every college football playoff that he played in. I think it would obviously uh, Oklahoma fans would get some sweet uh, enjoyment out of that if they actually did win a playoff game 
this year, which obviously is my projection for the season. Well, I know you're here in Arkansas radio right now, and I know that you have no bias. I sure am. And you're completely and totally (laughs) uh, not a homer or not going to speak just to get everybody revved up. But there is a lot of expectations with the Razorback football team. they got a tough schedule in front of them, but people are thinking that they could really take some next steps this year. So in your opinion, not only this weekend but just the rest of the season, how do you feel like the Razorbacks play and how do you feel like they perform uh, compared to what they did last year? Well, you know, what I think is interesting about Arkansas, and I've said this for a few weeks and, I, I you know, I'm not breaking any news here. What's interesting about them is that, you know, we're going to find out really quick how good they are, right? I mean, you know, we talk about some of these programs. I mean, you know, I mentioned Texas A&M doesn't play a real kind of marquee opponent till week three. Uh, Oklahoma doesn't play a marquee opponent for a few weeks. Arkansas has two really good teams right off the bat here with Cincinnati and South Carolina where we'll get a feel right away, John, for just how good uh, this team is, uh, you know, and, and if they can match last year. I think this is the year, definitely, you have to keep building momentum. LSU, first-year head coach, uh, Texas A&M. Listen, I know Jimbo's a a lightning rod, but I think most people that cover and are around Texas A&M still think that they're probably a year away from being that, you know, Georgia, potentially Alabama-level program. And so if you're Arkansas, you keep building momentum. I mean, obviously, uh, best recruiting class they've had in, in a long time. Hit, hit the portal really good, a, a couple really nice additions. you got to get those wins because, obviously, look, you know, I'm not saying that you'll never beat LSU once Brian Kelly gets it rolling, but it, it, in theory it probably will be significantly tougher. Same if Texas A&M really takes that next step like we all expect. So, you know, I'm not, I, you know, not having the schedule in front of me, I can't sit here and, and give you a, a win total. But I think the schedule shakes out nicely where it, it's tough. Don't get me wrong. It's really tough. But you get those first couple games at home. Um, and then, like I said, some of those kind of marquee programs that historically have been really good are a little bit down this year. So, yeah, basically what I'm saying is Arkansas 11-1 and with a close loss to Alabama. That's all I got. So, how's that sound? <laughs> Do you no, see, I'm kidding on the last part, but I, I do like I do like how things break for them. You see that SEC West after Alabama is it, it could fall any kind of way with some of those teams mentioned mm. with LSU, A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Like it could be a, a shakeup where basically it's kind of uh, a coin flip as far as who could finish second behind Alabama. Zero doubt. I mean, this has been one of the questions I've been asked a lot this fall that I, I just don't have a good answer for, right? And I know we come on on air and we want to have a strong opinion about everything, but I really just, I, you know, I could see a lot of different things shaking out a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, A&M is obviously a program that last year started off a little bit slow. Um, you know, can they, you know, w- what's the situation with Haynes King? How good is he? Um, and so you have that. But then also, obviously, Arkansas, right, is, is, is in a really nice position as well. So that's one, Joe, where I really just – I can't sit there and say that, like, I have a super strong – this is who I'm riding with. I obviously do like Alabama, um, and I do think it, it's going to be one of those things where, where how do the breaks go, how does the schedule go, things like that, where – like, even somebody like Mississippi State I actually really like a lot this year, but they have to play Georgia. So that's a completely different dynamic that – everybody other than Auburn has to deal with in this division. So I I just think it's going to come down to who do you play? When do you play them? How healthy are you? Are you playing them on the road? Are you playing them at home? But to answer your question, though, I really don't have a great answer for it. I really don't have a strong opinion on who ultimately finishes second in the West. 
So looking at, uh, you don't have to use it just the SEC, but just the, the off college football in general, who do you think is the most overrated team? Because you heard, uh, you know, Paul Feinbaum went in on <laughs> Notre Dame, which is not surprising, but he just talked about they have zero chance of making the playoffs, even though people think they're going to be good. Some people talked about A&M. But who do you think is a team that a lot of people are thinking is going to be good, but you feel like is a little overrated at this point? Yeah, you know, I don't know that it's like the sexiest radio team like to talk about. I really don't get the buzz on Baylor. Like, I, I know they won the Big 12 last year. You know, I think guys sometimes, like, especially the way the media covers, like, like if you're a nice guy that's accessible, that's accessible as in, like, available for the media, you answer all the questions, I think everybody kind of gives you the benefit of the doubt. And, and I'm not saying Dave Aranda's, like, a fraud or anything, but, like, there's just this narrative of, like, oh, my God, Dave Aranda's such a nice guy, and he named his starter in the spring so his backup could transfer, and, oh, my, no one else in college football would do that. And it's like, okay, I get it, but, you know, they were picked by the media to win the league. Um, you know, their starting quarterback who beat out last year's starter really has only started, like, one game, like, played significant, you know, snaps in a couple games, one start. Um, and they lost a thousand yard rusher. They lost the their best wide receiver, and like you know, like a couple All Americans off the defense. Like I, I don't know the exact stat off the top of my head. Baylor had like probably the fourth or fifth most players drafted in last year's NFL draft, if you can believe that or not. And so to me, I just I, I don't know where the excitement comes in about this program because it's obviously not an Alabama, Georgia, whatever that can just reload. So so Baylor's the one to me. I, you know, I actually do kind of agree with Feinbaum. I'm not somebody that generally believes Notre Dame is overrated, but this year I just think the schedule's tough, first-year quarterback, uh, all that good stuff. And so the, the Notre Dame's probably a little bit overrated. I think Baylor is definitely overrated. I'm trying to think in the SEC if anybody – you know, I'll say this about the SEC. I don't get the Kentucky hype either. I really don't. Like, I know they won 10 games and, you know, whatever – but they were a team like they took advantage of kind of LSU when they were a mess, uh, Florida when they were a mess, and they lost a lot off last year's team. So I'd say from the SEC, Kentucky's probably the one that I'm not as crazy about as most. And then nationally, I just I really don't get the Baylor stuff. I really don't. Well, I know that uh, the greatest rivalry anyone wants to see is is Calipari versus uh, Mark Stoops, which apparently that's over. Ooh. They're moving on from it. Hey, but... I had a, I had a thought on that the other day i'm gonna throw this by you guys you tell me what you think okay okay so scott Par do we have a second or do you gotta go to break if you we gotta got go to break shut me up well we got about 45 seconds so if you fit it in there okay real quick nebraska loses it automatically turns into who's the next head coach in nebraska right and i think mark stoops was a name that came up and i'm like if mark stoops claims that you're a football school like you can't leave Kentucky at this point, right? Like, like <laughs> if you leave Kentucky for another job, you're kind of playing into exactly what you said your job isn't. So it was just a thought that I had, but I know we got to get to break. It was just something that crossed my mind the other day when Nebraska lost, and his name was obviously one that was mentioned among many uh, for who could be the next head coach in Nebraska. Aaron, you're right on with it. Yeah, yeah I think so too, because if somebody claims yeah, that. Yeah, you can't leave. Yeah, he boxed himself into a corner. Yeah, you can't, you can't be that guy. You can't move on if that's the case. So, yeah, I haven't thought about that, but that's, that's pretty good, man. But, Aaron, we appreciate it, buddy. Have a great weekend of college football. We'll catch up with you. All right. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Woo pig. Talk soon.